Welcome to the Weekly News in Brief podcast. Today is the 17th of December and this week's main stories are On Wednesday, the Prime Minister confirmed the relaxation of coronavirus restrictions will go ahead over Christmas. The government had come under growing pressure to tighten rules around the five-day relaxation period amid rising infection levels in Wales and parts of South East England. In a rare joint editorial published by the British Medical Journal and the Health Service Journal on Tuesday, experts described the relaxation of rules over Christmas as rash. We believe the government is about to blunder into another major error that will cost many lives, they said. Their concern has been echoed by the head of the Hospital Doctors' Union, Dr Claudia Paoloni, who warned household mixing over the festive period could see hospitals buckling. The government must move now urgently to reverse these kamikaze plans, she said. However, on Wednesday, Boris Johnson said discussions between the four UK nations had led to a unanimous agreement the relaxation of rules should be maintained, albeit with sterner guidance over household mixing. In a press conference later that day, Boris Johnson urged the public to act with extreme caution and consider the rules permitting three households to mix as maximums and not targets to aim for. A smaller Christmas is a safer Christmas, he said. Chief Medical Officer Professor Chris Whitty said people should aim to keep celebrations short, small and local to minimise the risk of infection. He also called on those making decisions on Christmas visits to consider that vaccinations will be made available to the most vulnerable people within the next two to three months. Despite Johnson's claims of unanimous agreement between the four nations, Scotland and Wales have both issued varying advice on Christmas gatherings. In Scotland, the public has been advised to limit mixing to two households for no longer than one day. In Wales, ministers are putting new guidance for only two households to mix into law. The Welsh regulations come ahead of a three-week national lockdown in Wales, which will see stay-at-home rules imposed from the 28th of December. Meanwhile, London has entered the highest level of coronavirus restrictions, along with parts of Essex and Hertfordshire. The decision came after MPs from all three areas were warned that infection rises were now off the charts in some boroughs. According to Matt Hancock, the rapid rise could be down to a new fast-spreading strain of the virus recently identified in the UK. The Health Secretary said that more than 1,000 cases of the new variant have been identified so far, with the majority of cases recorded in the south of England. Under the Tier 3 restrictions, which came into force on Wednesday, Londoners cannot mix with anyone outside their household or bubble, indoors or in private gardens, and bars, pubs, cafes and restaurants must close. London Mayor Sadiq Khan also urged the government to consider closing schools in the capital this week in a bid to contain the spread. Downing Street rejected the mayor's plea and has insisted that keeping all schools in England fully open until the end of term is a national priority. At the same time, the UK's vaccine rollout has been extended to GP surgeries. Starting this week, GP practices in more than 100 locations have received Pfizer vaccine supplies, with the first jabs administered on Monday afternoon. Much like the initial rollout in hospitals, GPs will prioritise vaccinating those aged over 80, as well as health and care workers. By the end of this week, the jabs will also begin being delivered to care homes, where residents are deemed the highest priority for vaccination. The rollout to homes has been held up by logistical regulations, with the vaccine requiring storage temperatures of minus 70 degrees Celsius. On Wednesday, seven days after the NHS began administering the vaccine, Junior Minister Nadeem Zahawi confirmed 137,897 people in the UK had already received their first dose. Boris Johnson and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen have agreed that UK and EU negotiators will continue to work towards a post-Brexit trade deal. The two leaders discussed grounds for continuing the negotiations in a telephone conversation on Sunday. In a joint statement released after the call, the leaders insisted it was responsible at this point to go the extra mile. 
Negotiators from both sides will now meet to continue talks in Brussels to attempt to secure a last-ditch deal. The leaders did not specify how long the latest round of talks would last. However, only two weeks remain before the end of the Brexit transition period on the 31st of December. If a trade deal is not agreed and ratified by this date, Britain will automatically default to trading and world trade organisation rules. Speaking later on Sunday, the Prime Minister made clear the two sides were still very far apart on some key things. We're going to keep talking to see what we can do, he added. In an update on Wednesday, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen told the European Parliament that a post-Brexit trade deal was so close but yet so far away. Addressing MEPs, von der Leyen said negotiators had made progress in most areas, including on the so-called fair playing field, which protects against unfair competition between EU and UK businesses. However, she has warned that the two sides remain far apart on the issue of fishing rights. We do not question the UK's sovereignty on its own waters, she insisted, but we ask for predictability and stability for our fishermen and our fisherwomen. The UK is reportedly demanding around 60% of the value of fish caught by EU boats in British waters. The EU has only offered up to 18%. It sometimes feels that we will not be able to resolve this question, von der Leyen said on Wednesday, but we continue to try finding a solution. Despite being worth just 0.1% of the UK's economic output, fishing rights have become an issue of significant political sensitivity. If negotiators refuse to give ground on the issue, it could derail last-ditch efforts to secure a comprehensive trade and securities deal before the end of the transition period on the 31st of December. The clock puts us all in a very difficult situation, von der Leyen said. If a last-minute agreement is struck, the leader of the Commons, Jacob Rees-Mogg, has suggested it could receive fast-tracked ratification from Parliament in as little as 24 hours. However, the Prime Minister has maintained that a departure on the World Trade Organisation rules remains the most likely thing and has called on British businesses to continue their preparations for this scenario. In UK news, new figures from the Office for National Statistics, or ONS, show redundancies surged in the UK in the three months to October. According to data from the agency, the unemployment rate jumped from 4.8 to 4.9% during the three months as redundancies reached a record level of 370,000. The flood of redundancies was largely fuelled by job cuts in retail and hospitality. ONS figures show the hospitality industry has been hardest hit by the pandemic, with almost 300,000 jobs lost from the sector's payrolls between February and March. Thousands of bars, restaurants and cafes remain closed under existing Tier 3 restrictions in England, with many more businesses expected to be impacted as London entered the highest level of virus restrictions on Wednesday. Kate Nichols, head of the industry body UK Hospitality, has been critical of the decision to close venues in London, Essex and Hertfordshire and has instead suggested schools are largely to blame for the spread. Yet once again, it is hospitality that will take the hit, she said. A South London coroner has made legal history after concluding that air pollution was a cause of the death of nine-year-old Ella Kissy Deborah. In a ruling on Wednesday, coroner Philip Barlow said Kissy Deborah's death in February 2013 had been caused by severe asthma, secondary to air pollution exposure and acute respiratory failure. He noted that the nine-year-old had been exposed to nitrogen dioxide and particulate matter pollution exceeding guidelines set out by the World Health Organization. Barlow is the second coroner to investigate the case after Kissy Deborah's mother, Rosamond, spent years fighting for her daughter's death to be re-examined. The ruling is the first of its kind in the UK and could ramp up pressure on the government to address illegal levels of air pollution. Consumers will be automatically switched to the cheapest energy tariff under government plans unveiled this week. 
a white paper published by Business Secretary Alex Sharma, revealed ministers are seeking to end the loyalty penalty that penalises households that stick with one energy company. According to price comparison site Look After My Bills, customers who stay loyal to an energy firm pay on average £169 more per person per year than households that switch tariff or renegotiate their deal. Under a new opt-in switching system proposed by ministers, customers will be offered a straightforward option to switch to a cheaper tariff once their contract has ended. An alternative opt-out switching option will see consumers automatically move to a more competitive rate if their existing deal has expired. Hayden Wood, chief of renewable energy company Bulb, has welcomed the plans. You'd be shocked if your local coffee shop started charging you more because you're a regular. It should be no different with energy companies, he said. Victims of the Windrush scandal are expected to receive a minimum of £10,000 compensation under new plans unveiled by Home Secretary Priti Patel. The Windrush scandal broke in 2018 after it was revealed that hundreds of people had been wrongfully detained, deported and denied benefits and NHS treatment under hostile environment immigration policies. On Monday, Patel announced that the minimum payout to Windrush victims would rise from £250 to £10,000 and the maximum from £10,000 to £100,000. At least nine people have died while awaiting compensation payments and only 12% of victims have won settlements so far. The Home Secretary said she hoped the rise in payments would make a real difference to people's lives. The Supreme Court has overturned a block on the construction of a third runway at Heathrow Airport. In February, the Court of Appeal ruled that such an extension would be illegal due to the UK's commitments under the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. However, on Wednesday, the Supreme Court overturned this judgment. The justices unanimously concluded that such a ban was unnecessary as the government had taken its climate change commitments into account when formulating its airport policy. The ruling means the £14 billion project can now seek planning permission. According to Heathrow, the planning process will require it to prove the expansion complies with UK climate targets before construction can begin. Police have dropped an investigation into a Conservative MP accused of rape, sexual assault and coercive control. The MP, an ex-minister who has not been named, was arrested in August after a woman accused him of assault. On Saturday, the Metropolitan Police confirmed the probe had been dropped after a thorough investigation failed to meet the evidential threshold needed to bring charges. The MP, who has voluntarily worked from home throughout the investigation, denies the allegations. He will now be free to return to Parliament. The alleged victim, a former parliamentary worker, has said she intends to appeal the decision. Several FTSE 100 firms have refused to comply with investors' demands to disclose details of their carbon emissions. So far, 92 of the UK's top FTSE businesses have provided emissions data to the CDP, the non-governmental group that requests information on behalf of investors. However, eight firms, including BP, Just Eat Takeaway, Rolls-Royce and discounter retailer B&M, have refused to do so. Just Eat has claimed it is still calculating its carbon footprint following its merger, while other firms such as BP and Rolls-Royce declined to comply but insisted they supported net zero targets. Under plans outlined by the Treasury, all companies listed on the stock market will be required to report their emissions data by 2022. The mother of a hiker who went missing while walking in the Pyrenees more than three weeks ago has described her disappearance as out of character. Esther Dingley was last seen on the 22nd of November walking close to the Spain-France border. 
she had embarked on a solar hike after travelling around Europe for six years with her partner, Dan Colgate. An extensive police investigation has failed to uncover any indication of her whereabouts. On Monday, Dingley's mother, Rhea, said she was distraught. It is utterly out of character for her to be out of contact for this length of time. On all her trips, we are always in regular contact, she said. Social media firms are set to face multi-billion pound fines if they fail to protect their users from harm. Under a new online safety bill announced by the government on Tuesday, social media giants such as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter will be subject to a duty of care requiring them to regulate their digital content. The online platforms will be forced to remove illegal material such as terrorism and sexual abuse as well as legal but harmful content such as self-harm videos. The bill, due to be published next year, will be able to issue social media firms with fines of up to £18 million or 10% of their global turnover for failing to uphold the duty of care. Literary figures have paid tribute to author John le Carré, who died on Saturday, aged 89. The death of the spy novelist from pneumonia was announced by his agent Johnny Geller on Sunday night. Geller, who represented Le Carré for almost 15 years, described him as the undisputed giant of English literature who defined the Cold War era. A British intelligence officer turned author, Le Carré was best known for what novels such as The Spy Who Came In From The Cold and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Paying tribute to the writer on Twitter, US author Stephen King wrote, This terrible year has claimed a literary giant and a humanitarian spirit. He was joined by Stephen Fry, who tweeted, John Le Carré, if there is a contemporary writer who's given me richer pleasure, I can't for the moment name them. UNICEF has granted emergency funding to feed hungry children in the UK. It is the first time the United Nations Agency, which provides aid to children worldwide, has organised a domestic emergency response in Britain. It comes as a growing number of families face increased hardship as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. According to a YouGov poll, 2.4 million children in the UK were living in households facing food insecurity as of May this year. UNICEF said a grant of £25,000 would be provided to school food matters. The charity will use the money to supply thousands of breakfast boxes to vulnerable children in South London over the Christmas school holidays. New NHS guidance has said pregnant women should be allowed to have one person alongside them during scans, appointments, labour and birth. The guidance, which was issued to NHS trusts in England on Wednesday, said the person should be an integral part of both the woman and baby's care and not just a visitor. It follows complaints from some women forced to give birth alone during the pandemic, with individual hospitals previously deciding on whether or not to admit partners. Under the latest guidance, women should now have access to support at all times, with trusts asked to facilitate this while keeping the risk of COVID-19 transmission within maternity services as low as possible. Elsewhere in the world, Joe Biden has hailed the strength of American democracy after the Electoral College confirmed his victory in the US presidential election on Monday. The final tally of college votes puts Biden on 306, significantly beyond the necessary threshold of 270. His rival, incumbent Donald Trump, won just 232 Electoral College votes. In a speech delivered from Wilmington, Delaware, the Democratic president-elect said... Our democracy, pushed, tested, threatened, proved to be resilient, true and strong. He added, so now it is time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history, to unite, to heal. 
Despite the Electoral College's confirmation of Biden's win, Trump has continued to rally against the results, tweeting on Monday that swing states had found massive voter fraud in the November election. Germany will face a national lockdown over Christmas amid rising COVID-19 infections. The new measures extend existing virus restrictions and will be imposed across Germany from the 16th of December until the 10th of January. Under the measures, which have been agreed by Chancellor Angela Merkel and federal state leaders, schools, non-essential shops, bars and restaurants will close. Drinking in public will also be banned and the sale of fireworks will be prohibited in the run-up to New Year's Eve. The fresh restrictions come after the country recorded almost 23,000 new cases and 600 deaths on Wednesday, with both rates at their highest point since the start of the pandemic. Lawyers representing Ghislaine Maxwell have asked judges at Manhattan Federal Court to grant her a $28.5 million bail package to allow her to return home. Maxwell, the former girlfriend of Jeffrey Epstein, is scheduled to stand trial in July, charged with enticement of minors, sex trafficking and perjury. She has been accused of recruiting teenage girls for the disgraced financier to abuse. The bail package put forward by her lawyers allegedly offers up the entirety of Maxwell's assets and includes armed guards to keep the British socialites safe and ensure she does not flee her New York home. It is Maxwell's second attempt at securing bail, with the first rejected in July. Suspected Russian hackers have targeted key federal agencies in the biggest cyber attack against the US in more than five years, officials revealed on Monday. The breach, which reportedly began in spring and continued throughout the US presidential election campaign, has been described as a sophisticated state-level attack. The hackers are believed to have monitored internal email communications at the Treasury and other departments. The National Security Council said all necessary steps were being taken to remedy the raid. While the US is yet to formally accuse Russia, at least three people familiar with the investigation are said to have blamed Moscow for the attack. Russia has denied responsibility. Police in Nigeria have confirmed about 300 pupils are missing following an assault on a secondary school in the northwest state of Katsina. The school was attacked by an armed group on Friday night. A police spokesperson said officers had fought the attackers in a gun duel, allowing some students to scale the fence of the school and run for safety. The military is now coordinating a rescue operation. Police initially blamed bandits for the attack. However, on Tuesday, Boko Haram claimed responsibility for the assault. The Islamist militant group has been notorious for school kidnappings over the last decade, but these have largely taken place in northeast Nigeria. More than half a million people from ethnic minority groups are being subjected to forced labour in China's Xinjiang region, a report from the Centre for Global Policy has revealed. The report, which analysed government documents and state media reports, found hundreds of thousands of workers were involved in China's labour transfer programmes. It alleges that these programmes are forced labour schemes that see Uyghur and other Muslim minority populations coerced into picking cotton. The Centre for Global Policy has recommended that the US government expands existing sanctions and import restrictions on cotton produced in Xinjiang in light of the human rights concerns. Mackenzie Scott, the author and ex-wife of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, has donated $4.2 billion to emergency relief funds. Scott said she hoped to help Americans who were struggling after being hit by the wrecking ball impact of the pandemic. Alongside a team of advisors, Scott has selected more than 380 charities to champion, with the funding donated over four months. 
the charity's focus on helping communities facing food insecurity, high measures of racial inequality, high local poverty rates and low access to philanthropic capital. Scott's fortune, which largely comes from her divorce from Bezos, has risen from $23.6 billion to $60.7 billion in 2020. Last year, she committed to the Giving Pledge, promising to give away the majority of her fortune to philanthropic causes. And in lighter news, British supermarkets are reporting a surge in vegan food sales in the run-up to Christmas. Figures from Waitrose show pre-orders of its vegan Christmas foods are up 700% compared to last year. Marks & Spencer said its plant-based products accounted for 30% of its frozen party food sales, while its vegan sticky toffee pudding is now selling three times as much as its standard equivalent. It follows new research from the Vegan Society, suggesting more than one in four Brits plan to eat more plant-based foods during this year's festivities. A London theatre company is set to bring the life of Tony Blair to the stage. Tony, a Tony Blair rock opera, will be performed at the Turbine Theatre in South London from next February. In addition to the former Prime Minister, the cast of characters will also include Princess Diana, Saddam Hussein and President George W. Bush, with opera lyrics provided by comedian Harry Hill. According to the theatre, the production will tell Blair's life story and is likely to play fast and loose with the facts. Women were behind this year's global fitness boom, according to Strava. The world's biggest online fitness platform recorded more than 1.1 billion activities this year, with the number of uploaded runs and cycles almost double that recorded during the same period in 2019. Strava's Simon Klima said much of the increase was down to women being more active. In the past, our research has found that one of the biggest blocks for women to cycling is a perceived safety risk, he said. During the pandemic, women perhaps felt safer to take to their bicycles thanks to infrastructure improvements and quieter roads. And finally, Justin Bieber has teamed up with NHS staff to record a Christmas single. Nurses, doctors and other health service staff from the Lewisham and Greenwich NHS Choir have added their voices to a new remix of the Canadian pop star single Holy. While the original track reached number seven in the charts in October, the new remix hopes to make Christmas number one, with proceeds from the single going to NHS Charities Together and the choir's local NHS Trust Charity. Bieber said he was humbled to team up with the South London singers. Mm-hmm.